I, I love what we're talking about today. We're doing a series, but I love what we're doing today because it, I've told myself every year, how many of us make resolutions? It's not, this, is not a, this is not like a horrible thing to do, but we usually fail them, right? But I, every year I say, Lord, I want you to do something in my life that will stretch me and grow me and make me a little, make my flesh a little uncomfortable. That's a dangerous prayer because my flesh wants comfort. My flesh wants everything at ease. Trust me. I mean, I go home and I want to put my feet up and be comfortable. And I want that in all of my life. Um, I don't, when I, I work for Pepsi during the week and I want an easy week. I don't want, and it's been kind of slow, so it's been nice. But when it comes to my relationship with God, I, I desire that that God would allow me to be a little uncomfortable and, and to, to stretch me, to grow me. I want to be fully devoted to God. If there's even a sliver of things that I'm holding on to, I want to give it to God. So I want to say something. When you were 18 to 21 years old, everybody remember that? Like, okay. Um, you, when you're in your 20s, you begin to plan. You should. You should have begun to plan for the future, Right. Did you kind of have ideas of what you wanted to do? You said when you were about 18, maybe not 18, but if you were like born, grown up, you're like, when I was 18, I had this 10-step plan. And most 18-year-old, they're like, I don't even want to know what I want to do with my life. And maybe even you right now, you still don't know what you want to do with your life. But you say, by 30, I want my life to look like this. By 40, I want my life to look like that. By 50, I want my life to look like that. By 90, I want my life to look like that, or I want my marriage to look like that, or my finance to look like that. How many of us, we have been kind of depressed because at 40, at 50, at 60, we, our life doesn't look like what we said when we were 20. Because when you're 20, when you're 18, 18, 20, you have these plans, and sometimes they come to pass, but many times you look at your life versus what the picture looked like on the box, like a puzzle box, and it reminds me of the puzzle I got for Lydia for her birthday. And it was, it, it, this is not a true, this is a true story. The puzzle was a little late and it came from, it was shipped from China. I have, it did not say that on Amazon. Well, the box looked fine. It looked neat, but I took the pieces out and the pieces did not look like what was on the box on the picture. It, it was very blurry. Whoever scanned it onto the pieces, it was completely blurry. So when you're getting, so if you get nothing out of the sermon, the thing is, when you're looking on Amazon, you read the fine print. Don't get the things from China because that, it's nothing against that. It's just the puzzle might be blurry. Okay. And that to me is like my life. I look at my, I look at the box of my life and I go, that's what I want right there. I want my life to look like that. I want my finance to look like that. I want my marriage to look like that. I want my kids to look like that. I want the church to look like that. I want my job to look like that. And then you open up the, the box and there's a big bag of pieces that you dump onto the table and you pick through it and you look and you go, this is so blurry and I can't even recognize it. Okay. And we get depressed. Or maybe you're one of the lucky ones that you made all these plans and they actually came to pass. But then sometimes we do those things that we plan to do ourselves. We're like, yes, I want this. And you still are left kind of empty and dry like, this is it? Is there more to life than just the here and now? Here's a spoiler alert. It's yes. There's more to your life than what we see with our eyes, than what we can accomplish on our own, than all those successes and all those success stories that we could even put down on paper and say, this is, this is, like if I say, Okay, this is a successful moment in my life. What does that mean to be successful? What does it mean to live my life? And so um, 
there is more to life than just what we see. There is more to life than just what we accomplish here on earth. And so to today's title of my message is, I think it's, it is, it, I don't think, I know for me and for all of us, it is the most important thing, and that's getting closer to God. The Bible says, draw close to God and he will draw close to you. you. We all want that deeper walk with God. We all want that where we we can we know the Holy Spirit's there, that when I'm praying, that I'm not just praying to a brick wall. I'm not just standing over here at that wall and just kind of praying, um, that I know that God is hearing me. I know that God's responding to me. I know that he doesn't always say yes to my prayers, by the way, right? Uh, we were kind of joking that with at work, and someone was saying, I can't remember what uh, they were saying about some lady, and they uh, Joel, can you pray for that lady? And then someone said, well, no, I'll do it first because blah, blah, blah. You know that? And I was kind of joking. I said, sometimes I do pray for people. And it's like, uh, not a yes always. But it has caught my attention, like in my life, go, do I trust God or not? What's it really about? What's my life really about? Is it all those prayers that get me what I want? Or is my number one prayer this year, Lord, I want to get close to you. I want to draw close to you. And so we're in a series called Predecide, and one of the things that we're talking about is beforehand, before my life is getting out of control, maybe it's too late, I don't know, but before chaos, before everything, I'm going to stand, I'm going to, stand, I'm going to predecide beforehand how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to predecide beforehand what God wants my life to be so that when I get to a situation, it won't, caught me off, it won't catch me off guard. It will make me go, okay, I've already predecided that. Okay? Like when I was first married, I, I predecided that, you know, no matter what we do in my marriage, we're going to work through things no matter what. That was a predecision we made. Okay? Um, my mom went to heaven, but they never, my, my parents were always married. I had, a, they were, they were in a good marriage. It wasn't perfect. Um, I definitely got to see some ugly sides. I think everyone could have that story if you're a kid and you have parents, right? But um, one of the things that we said is we don't, we're not, we're not going to talk about divorce, okay? We're not, we're going to, we're going to deal with everything. And we've done that. We've done that so far, 18 years, you know, hopefully with another 18 years unless the Lord comes back. But um, that's a predecision that we did. Before I even got married, I'm saying, you know what? I'm going to deal with everything that comes our way. This is how we're going to react. Now, it's not always easy. It's very, rarely easy. But it's already a decision that I made in my spirit. This is how I want my life to be. And so what we did is we said, when faced with blank, any situation, I just said marriage, I have predecided to blank. Okay, I've said this over and over. My example would be when I'm faced with difficult people, I have predecided to love people. I have predecided to extend mercy, to extend grace. Now, I can't do that myself because I want to be like the disciples. Lord, can we call to heaven and call fire down and kill them? Right? That's not a good response. But that's how usually what we say, maybe not literally, but we say, get, uh, you know, I'm going to go up to someone, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to destroy them because they hurt me really bad. And what we need to do, I have predecided, and it's not easy, that I'm going to extend mercy to people, that I'm going to love people. So when I'm faced with hard people, difficult people, difficult situations, I'm going to extend the mercy of God. Why? Because I need that. I desire that, right? And so we're looking at six predecisions in this series. We, 
as a, as a church and as, as a pastor, I love doing a series so that we're going through one idea for, for uh, n- numerous, numerous weeks, like four or five weeks, and we'll slice it up here and there each week. And so what we're looking at is six pre-decisions, and we've already talked about a few of them. I am ready. I'm, I'm not going to take life just kind of on accident. I'm ready. I'm prepared for any battle that's going to come my way. I'm going to be ready to be, when, when, when temptation comes my way, I'm going to be ready. It's like you're in battle. How do you be ready in battle? Well, if you have a sword and a shield, that's a good start. But if I go to a battle and I left my shield and my sword at home and I just said, I can do this myself. Look at my arms, my, look at my strong muscles. Look at who I am. I'm going to lose a limb or die. You got to be prepared. I'm ready. I am consistent. I'm going to do the things in my life over and over and over that's important. It's like being trained for any sport. You got to do the things consistently. I joke about it all the time and I said it this week. You know, I can't, if I want to lose 20 pounds, I can't choose to go on a diet one time a year, right? I can't decide to work out once every 10 years and call it good. Okay, I have to be consistent. I know it. Am I consistent in that? No. Okay, no, I'm not. But if I wanted to, I'd have to be consistent. Same is true with our relationship with God. I am devoted. That's today. And I am generous. I am faithful. And I'm a finisher because life will get hard. Everything's hard. We told it Hayden the other day. Everything's hard. Life is hard, right? How many of us would say yes? It's a battle. It's a battle. And it's so easy, including pastors and leaders and everything, to want to give up. It would be easier to give up and just decide, you know what? I'm going on the beach, and I'm going to stay on the beach the rest of my life because there's two types of people on the beach. There's rich people and broke people. I'll be a broke person on the beach. I'll be a bum, beach bum, right? We always used to have a shirt people that say beach bum on their shirt. I'll, I'll do that the rest, and that would still be easier for a lot of time, a lot of ways. But I'm going to be a finisher. I'm going to do what God's called me to do, no matter how hard it gets. I'm going to outlast any critic or any enemy that is against me. I'm going to keep going. And so today, we're pre-deciding to be devoted, fully devoted in everything that we do. We're going to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, not just play church once in a while, not just play religion. Not just follow Jesus when it's convenient because it's not convenient. Not just follow Jesus when it's easy because it's not easy. Not just when I have time because there is no time. Okay? I have to pre-decide, you know what? My life, no matter how, I'm 40, almost 42 years old. No matter how long I have left in my life, I want to pre-decide now that I'm going to follow after Jesus with all my heart. That he is my life. Because if I don't actually put that down in my life and say that, then it's, it's not going to happen by accident. Everything else is going to come my way, and it's going to get in my way between me and a deep walk with God. I've had that happen in my life. Matthew 6.33, if you're looking for the Bible in this sermon, it's here. Matthew 6.33, Jesus says this, but seek first. Everybody say, seek first. Seek first above everything else. Okay? Work above work. Above having a deep uh, uh, relationship with your spouse, even though it's important. Yes. Even being a perfect parent, above that, yes. Above everything, having a nest egg for retirement, above that, yes. Seek first his kingdom, God, and his righteousness, and all these things. He's talking about life. He's talking about struggling. He's talking about, like, like worry. 
He says, you're thinking about all this stuff, where to get food and you're, how clothing. And back then, it was a lot harder to get clothing. You couldn't just go to Walmart and get a, well, it's inflation, whatever, however much that shirt cost me. How much did that shirt cost me yesterday? We'll say 15, 20, it doesn't matter, right? But um, back then, it didn't just cost you a couple dollars. You had to make it. And so Jesus said, above everything else that you're worrying about, seek first me and my kingdom and my ways and everything else will be given to you as well. In other words, you worry about the wrong thing. You focus on what really matters. And you know what? God's just going to make it work out. Now, we've talked about this for a few weeks now, and I want to say it again. Some things in your life you cannot control. I can't control you. You can't control me in your life. But you can control how you respond. You can control how what your life's going to be about, what you focus on, what you tend to make your life about. You can choose to focus on God with all your heart. Nobody can say, no, you can't. Dwayne, you can't. Shame on you for serving God. Don't do it. And you go, okay. No, you can't. If I say, don't serve God with all your heart, you need to get away from me and say, no, I'm going to. But you can't control the people, but you can control that. Seek first my kingdom. Jesus' kingdom. We're fully devoted to him. We're fully devoted to his kingdom. We're fully devoted to his ways, to the ways of God, even though it's hard. Even though it's difficult. Because our flesh, and I said this to someone the other day, it's in a constant battle with our spirit. My spirit wants to do the right thing, but my flesh goes, that's hard. My flesh goes, eh, Look how comfortable that is over here. Look how comfortable that is. But God's called me this, the, the, the narrow road. We need to seek first his kingdom. In fact, I'm going to say it this way throughout this, this sermon, and I love it. I, the Lord, I, I've heard this before, and he reminded me. He says, I am, I am seeking first the one who matters the most. I am devoted to Jesus. I want you guys to remember that and kind of have that planted in your spirit. I am seeking first the one who matters the most. I want you to think about, don't answer this out loud, but in your life, not what the truth is, but how you are living your life, what's most important? Who's most important? What cause that you're devoted to? What is number one? What is number one? If you say God, I'm glad. But if we're being honest, let's, let's, let's be honest with ourselves and take inventory. What is most important? Jesus would say, seek first my kingdom. I am seeking first the one that matters the most. And as Christ followers, we know in theory it should be God. I seek God with all my heart with all my strength, with all my mind, everything that I am, I seek God, but my real life shows up. And oftentimes it's like, eh. So I'm very challenged. I'm very convicted as I go through this sermon. And I say in 2023, brand new year, new opportunity. We say that every year. But let's focus on what really matters in life because none of us can guarantee the next breath. Jesus might show up before 2024. He might even show up before this church service is over, right? You're like, no, he won't. I've been, I've been told that Jesus is coming back my entire life for 2,000 years. People have been saying Jesus is going to come back in their lifetime. But live as if it's true, because what if we're not living for Christ and he does show up? So 
no matter what happens in my life, no matter how busy I get, no matter how crazy my life gets, I pre-decide, I choose beforehand, I'm going to serve the one that matters the most, period. And what God wants to do outside of that, like, for example, I want to have a great mar- great marriage. I want to have a great relationship with my son. I want to have a God-honoring finances in my... I want to be able to show people, this is not how proud I am, but saying, I, I, this is how I honor God. I want to have my life like that. But the reason why I want all that is because I want to honor God. Why do I want to have a great marriage? Because I want to honor God, period. The, Actually, Jesus himself said, love your, love your wife like Jesus loves the church. So I'm challenged, but that's just an example. So what does it mean to be devoted to Jesus? Well, in the book of Acts, and if you've ever been part of a church, Pentecostal church, maybe when you're younger, they love talking about, we love talking about Acts. And I love Acts. I love that narrative. I love what happens to them because there's definitely a direct, direct connection between being devoted to the right thing and what happened in the book of Acts, okay? And so for just a little bit, I want to talk about a few verses in the book of Acts chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, it's in Acts chapter 2. And so what happened in the book of Acts? Jesus had just been crucified. He was just put in a tomb, and he was just raised from the dead on Easter morning. And then he took 40 days to show himself to the world, okay, to his disciples. And then Paul himself said that Jesus himself showed himself to over 500 people at one time. So it wasn't just made up in a small corner somewhere. People saw Jesus with their own eyes, a resurrected Jesus. And then he told his disciples, right as he's getting ready to ascend to be with the Father, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to what? Wait for a gift. See, if it were happen now, we'd say, Jesus, can you have it happen in five minutes? But a lot of people say it lasted 10 days of waiting. That's a long time. I got things to do, Jesus. So they go into the upper room, they wait, and then one day, a windstorm shows up in the upper room. It's the Holy Spirit that fills them up, overflowing. And once they said yes to Jesus, and once they said yes to his ways, to his kingdom, and then once they were filled up with his Holy Spirit, my question remains, and I've read this a lot, what did they devote themselves? What did they do? What did they make their lives about? Because oftentimes I say, and I'm guilty of this, well, in those days, things were a little bit different. I have work to do. I got things to do. I've got bills to pay. And I'll go, like, they didn't have that back then. Like, they did not have work to do. Actually, their work was a lot harder. You know, well, they didn't have that 40-hour-a-week thing that I have to do. Yeah, they had 24-7, right, making dinner. For you ladies, it was a work, it was a, it was a marathon. And then the family comes in there, what's for dinner? And you come in there and you go, and it's gone in two seconds. And then the, 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 that's just how it was. The wife would go, okay, I got a plan for next meal, right? That quick. And so they had it a lot different, but we can make excuses to how it was different. But what did they devote themselves to? Well, Acts 2.42, there's a few things. If you have been in the Bible for even five seconds, you probably read this. But they devoted. Say devoted. They were purposeful. They focused on. This is who they were. This is what they did. This is what their life was about. Okay? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We can say that's the Bible. Okay? Because what do the apostles teach? Chicken soup for the soul. No. They taught the Bible. They taught what Jesus said. Okay? 
And they, they devote themselves to fellowship, having that direct connection with people, okay, with other people, and to the breaking of bread. I love that they talk about food anyway. And they devote themselves to prayer. This is the things that they were devoting themselves. And let's just say what it is. They devoted themselves to the things that were going to deepen their walk with God. That's what they focused on. Even when afterwards, when they were filled with like the Holy Spirit, Peter went out and they all went out and Peter preached and 3,000 people were saved. What was the reason why he went out and preached? Well, he wanted to explain what was going on, but even bigger than that, I think it was to honor God, but it was about deepening his relationship with God. There is nothing more awesome than in making you stronger in the faith when you go out and you talk with one person about Christ. They might not even receive it right away. In fact, I would probably say the first time you even try it, they might not want that. And it's easy to go back and go, oh, I'm a failure. No, you're not. We say it a lot, but you might be the first person sowing a seed, and that person needs seven seeds sowed before that he gets some fruit or some kind of thing that he's grown in his life. You might be the first or second or third planting. So you are vital. So they devoted themselves to these things. And my question is, what was the result? Well, the results, when you read it, speak for themselves. So they devoted themselves to specific things in their life. And look at the results. It says, everyone, everyone say, say everyone. Let me, let me I, I didn't take Greek, but I'm going to pretend I did in college. I took Spanish. Big mistake. I should have taken Greek and Hebrew and that kind of thing, but I thought it was too hard. But in the Greek, everyone means everyone, 100%. It's not like everyone slash some. Okay, it's everyone was filled with what? Ah, oh, Wow. I I grew up in the 80s, and I thought we made up the word awesome because we overused it. Awesome, right? But God is awesome. The ways of God is awesome. The kingdom of God is awesome. And when things happened, they were like, wow, this is awesome. They They were filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Pause. I have read the book of Acts since I was first a Christian. In fact, I was part of a Bible quiz team and the first job was to memorize the book of Acts. That's hard. Don't ask me to try to quote it again. I could, I could quote you the story, but I cannot quote it word for word. Trust me, I tried. Okay? But I used to get, I, I, it, I used to get very frustrated with reading the Bible. Because I would read the Bible, and then I would look at real life. And I get very frustrated with life. And I get very frustrated with the Bible. Because the Bible would say one thing, and my life was like, was it really, was was everyone filled with awe? Was the church filled with awe? Was the community, when they saw the things of God, when they saw the church, were they filled with awe? Or was it like, is it time to go home? I've been there, done that, and I'm the pastor. Right? I have lunches just calling my name right now. Right? And I would say, why, why, the, why is it so different? Why is it so, why, what, what's, the, what's up with the, you know, church in the early days, 2,000 years ago, and today? Well, 
to be honest, I think it has only, because God wants to do, he, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. His works don't change. His, 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 um, the wonders and signs, some people say that died in the early church. Listen, God is the same. It wasn't really even I, I, performed by the apostles. Who really did it? God. The apostles were simply the instrument that God used, right? And so when God healed people, he would use Peter's shadow, okay? And, uh, but why not today? Maybe, and when I, talk, when I talk about church, I'm talking about capital C, the global church, the United States church, the church of Idaho, the church of the Kamei, Kuski, surrounding area. It could be that we're devoted to the wrong things. Could be, I don't know, maybe not. But my theory is that as I read Acts 2.42 and 43, that there was definitely a connection between what they were devoted to, what they were about, what was really, what mattered, what was their focus, and the results. The results spoke for themselves. It just did. And so 2023, what we want to do is we want to get back to the point. We want to get back to the, the focus. It's kind of like, my grandpa always, uh, when I was a kid, he was always had people building houses and building things, and he had this plumb line, and sometimes the plumb line was off, and you had to reset it. You had to get back to center, and I remember that going. Yeah, he had. I, I have no idea. He, that idea of fixing things and being mechanic and doing all that it did not translate to these hands. Okay, I wish because I could go home and fix like fifty thousand things right now. And I can't do it because I can pray and pray. I'd be like, I, I could be a, I could be there for you in spirit. Um, but he had to bring it back to plumb line because every if you have that plumb line off, everything else is off. And that's the same true with this. See, and I don't want to mock the modern church, capital C, because the church is the bride of Christ. Even, and this might seem weird to some people, but even when the church is way off base, even when, even when we, when, when a church has gone off kilter a little bit, when the plumb line is off a little bit, that's still God's bride. And God really does care about His church. He does care about you. He does care about me. He cares about His church. He cares about His bride. And He goes, if you're a little off, we need to get right back to center. This is how it would look like today, Acts 2.42, if it was written today, modern church version. They devoted themselves to themselves. What only mattered to them, not what matters to God. That's why you may have been to a church at one point in your Christian walk that people argued over worship music. If you've never seen that, then you probably have never gone to a church. When you argue over hymns or choruses, or drums or no drums, or guitars or no guitars... People were missing the point. And over my history, I've seen church fights. And I said to myself, this is not honoring to God, and it's not what it's supposed to be about. So for however long I've been a Christian, I said, I want to be part of a group of people who are not perfect, but we know what matters. They devote themselves to themselves. They continually and passionately pursued a self-centered life of comfort and ease. That could be me, by the way. Like, if I wanted to be any more comfortable, I would have brought my chair here and sat in it and just kind of leaned back a little bit. 
and say, you know, let me watch, let me watch the game. I want to see the 49ers lose, right? You know, no offense to any 49er fans, but do we have any 49er fans? Do we need to pray? I'm a Seahawk fan. I can't say anything. But these, these people are people like us. They're, they're nor- normal people. They're not bad people. They just have not seen what it's supposed to be like for their entire life. And it's so easy to be about a church or even in any relationship and make it about ourselves and not God. And I've got to the point, and it's day in, day out, it is a battle. God, I want my life to matter, and I want it to be about you, and I want my life to honor you, period. Anything else that is around that, that you want, God, that's up to you to bring my way. And he said that. Now, I want to show a line across the screen that represents the average person. Now, on the top of your head, no using phones, how many hours a week do people have? How many hours do we do you like? No, how many hours a week do you have, everybody? I did the math, 168 hours. Huh? I use my phone. 168 hours, everyone has, whether you're busy or not, or you work or not, or you're retired or not, or you have kids or you have grandkids, no matter your situation, everyone has the exact same hours a week. That doesn't change. And they've actually study what people actually do. And I love the first part of this. One third of it is filled, if your week is filled with sleep. How many of us love that? Now, you try to sleep. One third of your life, you're tossing and turning, maybe if you're like me. But one third of our life and one third of our week is gone sleeping. Good. Okay. We can't control that. We need sleep. One third of our life is either work, school, or some responsibility that you cannot control. If you decide to plant a garden, you need to go out there, probably not now, but when it's the season, to go out there and garden, right? That You've chosen to do that, and that's a responsibility, or you need to do whatever the case, whatever you take. That leaves, after sleep, work slash school, or responsibility, that leaves 56 hours remaining in your week of filler time. That's stuff that it's up to you. Most of us, we need to sleep. God gave us sleep. That's a gift. Not during church. <laughs> Work and school, we can't, we can't control that. Okay? But 56 hours remaining. And then I thought about people who, if you're not on social media, you're not missing a thing. Trust me. But if you're on social media like me, and you sit there and scroll, they say, I don't know who they are, but they say, the people who study this, the average person 17 hours a week is on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, Instagram or whatever. That's the average. I, you might say, how dare you? I only go on there like two hours a day, right? Okay, I don't know. That's the average. They're, it's on, they're, they're walking. Okay, you go into get your car fixed or whatever, and you're, you're in the waiting room. What do you do? You go to Lewiston, you go to Zany's, and what do you do when you're waiting for your food? Hey, do you see that? We, we joke around it, we go like that. And, you know, that's kind of dumb. Hey, look at that. Look at my brother sent me, right? <laughs> right? And it's 17 hours, and that leaves a few things, other stuff. Okay, going to get groceries. 
washing your car if you do that once every 10 years like me. Um, <laughs> you, how many of us need to wash your car, right? You, you, two seconds later, it's dirty again. But um, whatever. You check in the mail, uh, vacuuming, uh, making sure your kids are doing or your grandkids are, are, are being nice. You're, you're doing all this stuff, and that, rem- that leaves... Um, after all that, that leaves, after Facebook, that's about 39 hours left, okay? And then I left on that line there, one, one line, one dash, that's white still, that's not, I didn't put red, yellow, green, or blue, or whatever. I left it there because, look, we're Christians. I'm a Christian. God has to be there somewhere. I noticed that I didn't put God there. Sleep, I put first. Because I love sleep a lot. But do I love God? See, most people, and if you're not, if you're abnormal, maybe you worship and you serve God more than an hour a week. And that would be awesome. Right? But if you're an average person that is saying yes to Jesus, we, and I've been there, done that, we give God the time that we have left over because that's what he has. That's what we have left. I got, I have to sleep. I have to work. He understands. I have, I, I, I have to check my Facebook status. I have to. I, I have to. It's only been two, I haven't checked it for two seconds. I have to update it and refresh it. There might be some life changing stuff on there. I'm making fun of myself, not anybody else. Okay? So if we're lucky, we give them an hour a week. And it's called leftovers. Now, sometimes our leftovers get left in our fridge, and it, there's, there's a limit before you can eat it or throw it out, right? You, you, you ever look at the food, and you look at it, and you're, t- making, you're making the call, which one, eat it or throw it away? <laughs> and I'm like, when do we have that? Oh, we had that three weeks ago. Good enough. We'll do that. Leftovers are fine. But when it comes to our relation, when it comes to my relationship with God, if I give Him just oh, here God, and I've done that because He knows I'm busy. But think about anything else where I, if I devote an hour a week only, let's see, I want to work out and be in shape because I'm round. Round's a shape, but if I don't want to be round, I want to be square, right? I want to be really in shape. If I say an hour a week, trust me, nothing's going to change. If I want to have a great marriage, if I spend one hour a week with my, with my wife, do you think I'll have a great marriage? Not going to happen. If I want a great relationship with my son, but I say, oh, I don't have time for you, I only got an hour a week with you, and if that, we'll do it while we're doing something else. And are we going to have a great relationship, me and that kid? No. Not going to happen. The only things that are really going to be healthy and grow is the things that I'm devoted to and the things I'm consistent at, which we talked about last week. When it comes to workout, when it comes to anything, when it comes to my relationship with God, you cannot grow in an area where it's just I'm giving them leftovers. I'm giving my family leftovers. I'm giving the people around me leftovers. And I'm giving my Heavenly Father whatever I have left over. Maybe back when I was in school, if I studied one hour a week, do you think I was going to graduate top of my class? <laughs> no, I studied and I still didn't get top of my class. But I graduated with like 850 people. So, you know, that would have been, 
Einstein level, you know. I was I was around 700, somewhere around there. No, I, I don't know where I was. But um, even if we're devoting ourselves, even if we say, Lord, I want to give you more time this week. I want to say right now, that's probably just a little bit off. I want to, instead of saying, God, you have my hour, you have my three hours, you have my, I want to give God my life. I want to focus on him no matter, I can't change the fact that I'm, that things happen. I have to go places, I have to meet people, I have to go to work, I have to go shopping. You can't just avoid, you can't go in a cave and hide and be with God. I'm not a monk. It would be awesome, but I can't do it. So what do I do? I make my life about God. I can't make it to meet with him. It's easy and convenient. But if I make it convenient only and I'll meet with God, it's no wonder I'm not growing in God. It's no wonder my faith isn't growing or I'm trusting God more. It's no wonder I'm lukewarm in my faith. It's no wonder I'm lukewarm with my love for him and for people. It's no wonder I'm struggling. It's no wonder I'm going, ah, but if I give God my leftovers, if I say, God, here you go, here's enchiladas that we made three years ago. It's, trust me, it's enchiladas. It doesn't look like it, but it is. It's mush. You can have it. it my question is, do I, am I really devoted to him? See, the answer is found in John 15. How do you pre-decide to be fully devoted to God and his kingdom? Jesus says this. This is how it is. I am the vine. You are the branches. Everybody say, I am the branch. I am a branch. I am not the vine. It is not about me. I am simply a branch. Which one's more important? The vine. Without the branch... The vine goes on. Without the vine, the branch cannot go on. It dies. It withers away. I could have a, I could have a bunch of branches sitting right here, and it's going to wither away to nothing. Jesus says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do not little. I can do nothing. Jesus, that's a little bit extreme. That's not, if we are like this self-help type of people, you can do anything that you put your mind to. That's what I was taught. Joel, you can do anything. I said, I want to I wanna fly to the moon and I don't want to use any rocket. <laughs> Someone would say that, and I was just that kind of person when I was a kid. You know, be extreme. Like, okay, I want to go to the store and I'll go buy a dinosaur. And they go, Mom and Dad, you said you walked to school with a dinosaur. I wanted to do that too, right? But no, Jesus says, apart from me, you, I, you can do nothing. Why? Because you're apart from the vine, the source. The very source of life, the very source of spiritual health, the very source of how in the world am I going to be a good father and a good husband and a good, and a good uh, employee or a good boss or a good pastor? How in the world am I going to do that? I have to do it being connected and being connected to the vine and remaining in him. Remaining, abiding. You will bear spiritual fruit. What does that mean? Well, love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. 
that's just a few from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what my life's going to look like. And I can tell you right now, I can go through the list. I'm going, which one am I weak at? And if you really want to know, you can ask my, my family, right? I can ask the people closest to you, where are they weak at? And they'll say, that one. Or, yeah, that one. All of them. All the above. That's what my life's supposed to be like. That's what my life's full of. But if I'm full of myself, so John the Baptist said, less of me, more of him. Empty what's left of me in here out, and I want to be filled with God's spirit. That's what John the Baptist said. We need to seek first the one who matters the most. So what is your job? It's, oh, I forgot to read that one. This is important. Here it is. Verse 4. We went backwards on purpose because it has a word in there repeated. Remain in me. Everybody say remain. When you read chapter 5 of John, there's going to be this word, remain. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you what? Remain. Stay. Camp out. Live. Stay. Abide. Whatever word you want to use, that's the key. This is an all or nothing gig in this life that we have with God. You cannot grow, I cannot grow in my relationship with God if I just give God here and there. When, I, when it's convenient. Because it's never convenient. Like last night we read the book of Job as a family. That's a hard book to read sometimes, to be honest. You ever read the book of Job? It's hard. It's like I want to close the Bible afterwards and like weep. Because I'm like, what a sad story. Like, I am depressed. And it would have been easier not to read that last night. It would have been easier just to take a nap at like 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock at night. Because that's my, that's prime time for nap. Right? But we've made a decision. We've said this before this year. We're going to seek God as a family. It's not really about the reading time. It's about the time with God. Remain. we got to remain. So your job is to let Jesus be the vine. In other words, let him be everything. Your job is to be the branch. You abide. Jesus sets the agenda. He makes the calls. You're, you're a branch. Branches don't choose to grow fruit. The vine does. The vine's connected to the ground. Okay? It's planted. The branch just exists because the vine does. So let Jesus be everything. You just simply be a branch. So last three things and we'll be done today. This is three practical things to do, to just jump in. Pre-decided time. You could say, well, I pray all the time. That's probably, that's a good thing. Pray when you're in the car driving to work. Pray in the car when you're going to the store. Pray when you're in the store. Pray, you know, you're looking at the inflation and you go, I'm praying for my country. I'm praying for the government. I'm praying for everything. Pray everywhere you go. But when it comes to you and God, just stopping and being with him, choose a time. Whatever is easiest for you. I had people used to tell me, you need to wake up at 4 o'clock and do it. Because Jesus woke up early, it says. 
And I tried. It says one day early on, early in the morning, Jesus woke up and prayed. I hate that verse. Why well, didn't say when it was like eight o'clock at night, Jesus prayed? Why well, didn't say that? But I said, you know what? I got to find a time when I'm alert. Pick a time. Predecide a place. Where is that place that you like to be with God and it, it, you, you just look forward to being there? The river, probably not now, but maybe if you're a fisherman, you know, it would be a good place. Um, it could be in your car driving. It could be in your living room in your favorite chair. It could be in your kitchen while you're cooking. It could be wherever. Pick a time, pick a place, and predecide a plan. In other words, don't let it just accidentally happen because it will not happen. Your walk with God will not happen on accident. It has to be a very predecided moment. I'm going to choose this place, this time, and I'm going to plan ahead. And I'm going to say, if you have a phone, if you have a computer, if you have a Kindle, you have a, this is a, it's a version Bible app. This is free. Millions and millions of people have downloaded it. I've had it for years. It's on my Kindle, which is over there. And it has videos to watch. It has all sorts of different translations. Um, it has Bible reading plans that will help you go through your reading time. Um, it will remind you. So it goes on your phone. You're like, ding. Oh, got to read my Bible. If you forget, it will remind you. And it's great. It has completely changed the way I read the Bible, and I've had it for years, and it's free. version, the Bible app, the, the picture will be like that. And that is an easy way to plan your time with God because it will guide you through it. We don't have to reinvent the wheel, okay? Just be with God. If you're like, I don't need a Bible plan, fine. Just you and God, that's great, okay? So as we close... We cannot get you've got our leftovers. It's not about how much time you're spending with God. It's about your life. It's about God. God, as we pray, God is our life. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are who you are and that you are our life. God, make it make our life an offering to you. And help us to serve you with everything. Help us to be about you and your kingdom. I pray for everyone in this room to deepen their walk with you this year, starting even today. I thank you for everyone in this room. I pray that they would be motivated to go home and to spend time with you. And me too, God. I thank you for that time. I thank you that you love us and you care for us. And we dedicate our lives to you because you've dedicated your life to to us. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday for prayer at 7.